0: Yeah.
1: Hello, thank you so much for tuning in to Purifying Truths with A-Star. Today, we have a phenomenal guest with us by the name of Miss Davida Michelle. For those of you who are not familiar, Davida is a Ohio native. She's a mother, or author, and so much more. Welcome to Purifying Truths, Miss Davida.
0: Thank you. Thank you, Star. I really appreciate you having me here. Um, I'm excited. I'm excited about our conversation today. And um, I'm ready to get into it. Let's do it. Let's do
1: it. So please tell the audience who you are, the nitty gritty. Who's Davida Michelle?
0: Woo! Who's Davida Michelle? I am, as you mentioned, I am a mother. I am a mentor, I am a medical and health advocate to my special needs daughter, and I am a vessel of wisdom and encouragement. Um, I have to tell you that I have not always been the woman that I am today, but by the grace of God, with my unwavering faith and solid relationship with him, um, God has guided me into my purpose. Um, I am a woman who, uh, I impact and I uplift the lives of others with my words of wisdom, affirmation, encouragement, and prayer. Um, with my uh, my tribe, if you will, I'm often referred to as the uh, supporting beam or uh, pillar of support in my you know, personal community. As you mentioned, I'm an Ohio native. I live in Northeast Ohio. And um, with my my daughter, she is um, special needs and I'm sure we'll, you know, touch on her story a little bit here later. But, um, you know, God just has, you know, guided me into this place where he chose me to to be a lifelong caregiver. And that is what I am. Um, that is part of who I am. Um, he has blessed me, um, to be a woman with a heart of gratitude. Um, I have an endless well of patience that sometimes drives me nuts. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I'm awful, I'm often, um, described as, you know, a woman of strength and resilience. Um, I, I am just, you know, a woman who is committed to continuing the journey that God has designed specifically for me. And um, in a nutshell, I am simply the me that God created me to be. That's who I am, Davida Michelle.
1: Wow, what a pleasure. If we all could be who we are purposed to be. I love the fact that you share with us so boldly of what others are also say that you are showing that you are impacting the world. You too are a star, Davida. Thank you so much for sharing with us. As we jump right in, I'd like you to take us back. Just rewind the hands of time. Um, I believe about 26 years um, when you found out that you were pregnant with your daughter. Share with us that experience and how and when you were made aware of her special needs.
0: Wow, 26 years ago. Um, Sorry, I have to be honest, that's that's a pretty pretty meaty story and (laughs) I'm going to give it to you. All right. 26 years ago, I was single. I was working um, in the food service industry and, uh, you know, hey, 23 years old, had my own place, had my own car. I thought that, you know, as, as most would describe it nowadays, I was living my best life. Right.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, and then I don't want to say he came along, but I reconnected with my daughter's father during that time. And, um, you know, we started to see each other and. It, it let me just get a real uh-huh. I was crazy about him. I was <laughs> crazy about him. Um, We lived at the time we lived about you know 40 minutes away from each other and so it was always a big to do for me when he came to visit and he stayed at night and I would cooking dinner and uh I was playing the role of wifey and was barely girlfriend. Oh. And uh, yeah, we used to do what sinners do. (laughs) I'm a Christian now, so I'm going to put it that way. And um, one day we were having a conversation. He had already had um, a daughter. I think at the time she might have been maybe about six, six, seven years old. And we were having a conversation and he was saying, you know, he just felt like it was time him to have a little boy and you know he just thought that I would be the best candidate and yeah I fell for it. Wow. I fell for it contrary to my closest girlfriend's who both had sons at the time, very young sons. And they're like, girl, you know, you you don't have any kids. You don't have any kids. Why would you want to get pregnant? You don't want to do it. It's not easy. But let me be honest with you, because this is going to help somebody. Uh Um, I was 23 years old. And because my friends and girls that I had went to high school with had children already, their children were getting ready to start school or already had started school. I felt like I was behind. Mm. And so I was like, "Mm, I don't care what y'all talking about. I am doing this. And so I got pregnant and I got pregnant in three months into the pregnancy. Her father asked me to get an abortion. Oh, because he didn't—he realized he really wasn't ready yet. And I'm like, "There's no way. There is no way." And so I—I I went through that pregnancy, um, without him, without him. And as it, crazy as this story sounds, you asked for it, so I'm gonna give it to you. <laughs> That The remaining period of my pregnancy, an ex-boyfriend came into my life and literally took care of me for the duration of my pregnancy. Wow. Um, Yes. Yes. I have stories for days. (laughs) I have stories for days. And so moving through that, you know, the pregnancy, you know, I, I, delivered my daughter um the delivery let me back up the pregnancy was not um it wasn't hard it wasn't difficult i had some morning sicknesses okay fine um i had never been pregnant before so i didn't know what to expect what to anticipate any of that um for all intents purposes my pregnancy went well um now fast forward to delivery um seemingly a normal delivery. And, um, but when she came out, she did not cry right away. Uh And, um, while it seemed like minutes to us, um, I really can't tell you how long it was. It could have been a minute or two. Um, but to us, it seemed like five, 10 minutes, right? for for something to happen and I could kind of see out of the corner of my eye um, where they had her on this table and they were just kind of clean her up trying to work with her and I remember seeing a nurse come into the room she walks over to the table and I don't know what she did to this day I don't know what she did but she did something my daughter cried and the lady turned around and walked out Wow. Um, And, and so, um, at that point to all appearances, my daughter was healthy. She was fine. So on and so forth. Um, unlike today, back then they did keep you in the hospital. Um, if I'm not mistaken for three days and in that three day period of time, um, it, it seemed like, you know, everything was everything and, and we were ready to go home on like that third day. So I thought, and, um, it just got a little bit later in the day where, where the doctors were saying, well, you're going to go home, but we we're waiting for her to have a bowel movement and she hadn't had a bowel movement since she had been born. Uh-huh. Um, and so fourth day comes, no bowel movement, fifth day. Okay. Something's going on here. Um, We need to get her to another hospital um, for a lack of a better term, I guess, a more critical care type of um, hospital. So she was life flighted um, to another hospital about 30 miles away from where she was born at. And um, she was in the NICU for about seven days. And, um, at that time they thought that she was dealing with, um, a a digestive issue, but Uh having the bowel movement, um, and she appeared great and, um, she, they ended up releasing her. Everything was everything. And, um, when she came home, I just took care of her as I um, new from what I read, from what I watch with my nieces, so on and so forth. Um, and then, uh, fast forward, I think she was about, I think she was about five months old. I was playing with her in the mirror. Um, and, um, you know, you kind of take a baby and you hold them up in front of a mirror so they can see themselves. Uh-huh. When, when I would look at her reflection in the mirror, her, her face appeared a little twisted, but when I would turn her to physically face me, she looked normal. um, The strangest thing. And I just kept doing it and kept doing, I'm like, something is not right. And so. Um, just from reading books, I started realizing, okay, there are some things that she's not doing, so on and so forth. And so when she had her, I think it was a six month visit
1: uh-huh.
0: um, I started explaining to you know, her doctor, this is what's going on, this is what, what is not going on. And um, he explained that he would ha- he would want to do an MRI on her. Um, he identified, she used to hold her head, um, to the left. And we just thought that was like a more comfortable position for her. Uh She always hold her head to the, to her left side. Um, and that diagnosis came with what they call left torticollis. And it's like a muscle condition with therapy. You know, you can, um, you can, um, resolve. Um, and that is what happened. Um, um, then from there, we got the MRI, the MRI findings was that, um, she had cerebral palsy. And so with that, um, diagnosis of cerebral palsy, um, they were able to identify, um, developmental delay. Um, and I know many people hate this terminology, but I want to use it because this is how it was given to me, um, uh-huh. mental retardation. Um, and so she was just six months old when she got that, that diagnosis. Wow. And, um, From there, they were like, well, um, this is what we need you to do. She needs to get into physical and occupational therapy um, and we don't know what her life will be like. We don't know um, what therapy will do for her. Um, We don't know her life expectancy. Um, Typically, with children, with um these conditions, their life expectancy isn't the same as, you know, mine or yours as Uh quote normal people. And so um yeah, that was at six months. Um started therapy right away. At this time, I'm I'm cutting some of the story because her story is quite meaty. At that time of my life, um her and her her Myself and her father had um, gotten back together, moved in. We were living together. And when they started the, the physical and occupational therapy, um, I, hindsight tells me that I was probably in a state of shock um, and disbelief that this was my child. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't go to any therapy appointments for six months. Um my her father, he's now my ex-husband. We did end up getting married, but uh-huh. her, her father took her to therapy for six months straight, and the therapist never knew what I looked like or anything. Um, and during that time, I through prayer, um, had just kind of thought you know, took some time to think, reflect, um, connect with God, if you will. And I had just got to a place of resolve that, okay, this is the card I am dealt. Um, I have to come face to face with it and accept it. But if this was going to be my daughter's life, I was going to do the best that I could do understand that for whatever reason it is, I didn't understand it in that moment, but, um, try to understand, try to accept for whatever reason it was, God had chosen me to be her mother and Mm -hmm. I to do it to the best of my ability. And, um, at the six month mark of her going to therapy, I finally showed up and, um, you know, the therapists. both therapists were like, oh, okay, we always see dad. And, uh," you know, they didn't really know if mom was in the picture aside from what he, you know, had told them, like mom's working, you know, um, that deal. And so, yeah, at six months, I started therapy with her. That was tough um, because I was dealing with my own internal stuff, Uh but as we sat there, as we sat there with the therapist, um, at the end of our appointment, that I'll never forget it. The physical therapist sat and told myself and her father, like, um, look, somebody is going to have to quit their job and stay home with her and take care of her and I was like, in my mind, that was like a slap in the face because we were young. We were Uh young Um, and we were barely making it (laughs) with both of us working at that time. Uh So have someone say, look, you have to quit your job. We understood that she needed, you know, some additional care, but as two young black people, you know, a man and a woman, we really didn't understand what that looked like. Like my parents always worked, both his parents always worked. um, And this is what we have have to do to survive. We have to keep a roof over our heads. We have to be able to just provide for her. So that did not make sense to either one of us. And we walked away from that appointment like, oh, that's not happening. Mm -hmm. They're tripping. She's a baby. Um, You know, we would just continue to do what we were doing. And we had, you know, um, family members as as sitters. And and that's kind of how we began to push forward with her diagnosis. Wow.
1: You know, Davida, that is a powerful testament as to how strong you are because even at a young age you took on motherhood by the horns like you didn't back down I understand you had a few little you know months that you were in denial and and rightfully so I mean who wouldn't but then you know you picked up and you carried on was there ever a time that you felt angry or overwhelmed to the point that, you know, you speak of your faith and I know that now you are known as a woman of faith and that you are a Christian. So was there a time that you were mad at God? Because myself, not having walked in your shoes at all, but I've had incidences in life that I've questioned God and I've become angry. How how did you deal with that in your spirituality?
0: That's interesting. Now, let me just say, I was, um, I just have conversation for days. So I have to try to choose my words wisely. (laughs) A child, um, I was made to go to church. So I was familiar with church. I was familiar with prayer. Um, And then um, my, my, although I was 23, 24, when I had my daughter, Um, in like my 19, 20, 21 year, 21 year old phase, um, I had gotten to a space where I had recommitted my life to Christ, um, and was going to church, the whole falling in bed and, and having, you know, getting pregnant that was in my, you know, quote unquote backslidden state, if you will. Um. To answer your question, has there ever been a time, ironically, till this day, I go through moments where I try to sit and go back in my mental Rolodex and think, has there been a time that I was angry at God? Um, and I have to be honest, I have not gotten to that space where I was angry at God Um, I have had moments through this journey with my daughter and her condition um, and the complexities of her her health where I've absolutely um, been overwhelmed, but I have not found my space, found myself in a space of being angry with God. Um, And I think for me, part of the reason why um, somewhere along the way. I don't know where it came from, where I got it from, but somewhere um, in my younger years, um, I really embraced the thought process of uh, everything happens for a reason. Uh And so I always knew that God is the creator. Um, He is the one that gives life. And I think in this situation, with my daughter and her diagnosis, although I had that moment of denial, I couldn't even fathom being angry at God because God is the creator for me. Like he's the one that gives life. So this is less about, um, me and more about, okay, there's, there has to be a reason there has to be a reason. And so that's pretty much where, you know, my mind would go. Um, I think if anything, my heaviest thoughts were not of anger, but of question of how am I going to do this? What does my life look like going forward? And if I'm honest, star, um, I didn't ask those questions deeply enough. I think I asked those questions on a surface level. Um, so no, I I don't, I, I have not been in a space of anger with God.
1: That is amazing. And certainly kudos to you for being able to hold it together and not go through that um, phase of anger. Many times when we think of Um, Tragic events, whatever that would be, and definitely not calling your daughter a tragedy, but just, I mean, being pregnant is tragic Um, if it's an unplanned pregnancy. uh, Losing a job can be traumatic, you know, if it was a job that you worked hard for and were looking to retire from. When we go through these events, many times we go through grief. And of course, one of the stages of grief is anger. So, um, so just overwhelmingly happy that you were able to again hold it together you know take life by the bootstraps and and keep ticking and so what makes your story so unique for me is that where many would fall into self pity where many would be angry and questioning and why me you know you pivoted from that and turned it into power like not only are you an advocate for your daughter, but you now encourage others. So please enlighten us a bit about how you advocate. Understand your health advocate for her um, and her medical advocate, but what that looks like from the outside, because it's not as simple as it seems. I know from a healthcare profession, when I have to call up, you know, the advocate for those that are in group homes and such. It's so hard to get things done. How is it from the other side?
0: Wow. So I I gave you the crux of, you know, the early stages. And um, there's so much in between. But to give you what you're asking, I would definitely, definitely, definitely have to fast forward to the um, past three three and a half, four years of my life, which Uh um, really changed the trajectory of my life. For the most part, even though um, my daughter um, does not walk, she does not talk. um, She is totally dependent on others for everything, bathing, clothing, brushing your teeth, hair, all of that. I do all of that for her. Uh However, if you see her sitting in a chair, um, to all appearances, you might think that, oh, she's normal, but then you try to talk to her. She doesn't talk. She might laugh at you. She might look at you like you're crazy, but um, she does not, you know, formulate words. She can make noises. And so for several years, um, even with her complexities, um, because I figure out how to navigate life with my only child um to most it looked easy peasy um Mm -hmm. it looked like I was just coasting through life and um my goal was I was like I said I was going to take care of her to the best of my ability and I believe that I did that and continue to do that however however um in 2015, her, her health started to change. Things started to change with her. And um, she, she went all those years being fed by mouth. 2015, we had to transition to a feeding tube. So, excuse me, that was one of uh, those sharp terms for us in her life. Uh-huh. From there, we did pretty good until 2018, 2018 life as I knew it and hadn't had figured out how to pretty much coast through with a, <clears throat> excuse me, severely handicapped co- uh, child with a complex medical history, it turned completely upside down, if you will, for us where she landed in the hospital, 2018. And she had had previous hospitalizations. However, our 2018 hospitalization was like none other. And that hospitalization was in eight and a half months. (gasps) And every day that she stayed in that hospital, I stayed in that hospital. Oh my. Um, with the exception of one night, I did not stay cause I had a prior c- commitment. Um, and so I did not stay one night, but for, for the duration of that hospitalization, I packed up, <clears throat> I moved in, um, her hospital bedroom was like an efficiency to the two of us. Um, and so, how do I impact? How do I encourage? What does it look like on the other side of that? That leg of our journey was one of the most challenging of her. Um, at the time, it was one of the most challenging of her life, okay? Um, but but for who I am and who God created me to be, I knew it was purpose. Mm -hmm. that, that whole event, I knew it was purpose in that. And so, um, it was challenging. It was difficult, but I just had to trust and believe that God is the God that he says he is. And so during that time, I held on to God. Um, I was committed to every morning getting up, doing my morning devotional, getting up, taking a walk um, that could range from anywhere from two to five miles. Um, And unbeknownst to me, um, my silence was encouraging not just other parents who realized that I had been on this sixth floor for however long I had been, but nurses, um, doctors, After I had been there for a while um, and they became familiar with me, it became this thing of, you amaze me. Uh You you encourage me. Like you get up every morning. How are you handling this? Your daughter is in ICU. Your daughter has to be um, packed. Packed is for those who who don't know, um, for for pediatric care i don't know if they do this in, in adult care but for uh, pediatric care um, pack is when you're on a regular floor and um, your child is being treated but they basically take a nose dive, and they need to be assessed to be transport transferred to um, the intensive care unit and i never forget the first time she was packed i'm like i i think I know what you're saying, but I really didn't know. Um, But the doctors and the nurses and all these people that came in the room kept saying, are you okay? Are you okay? Are you okay? And I'm like, um, I'm fine. She's the one Uh (laughs) that's having the difficulty. Um, And so I was able to encourage people in my silence. But as time went on in that hospitalization, um, I wanted to, to do more. I wanted to, um, well, let me back up. I understood that God had me there for a reason. After we were there for so long, I'm like, okay, is this really all about her? Am I supposed to get something out of this? And so I was like, I didn't know. And so my approach was, well. If I'm supposed to get something out of this in order for us to get out of this hospital, let me try to tap in and, and be connected with God and, and, and move and speak as he is guiding me to. And from there, I just began to talk to people. I began to talk to workers when I would go down to the cafeteria, complete strangers who you know were just visiting the hospital. Um, Good morning. Hello. How are you? constantly came out of my mouth no matter who I encounter um and I never forget a time I was on an elevator and a man came on the elevator and he um he didn't speak and um the elevator doors closed and I said hi how are you and he looked at me he was like you know I I could be better but thank you for asking me how am I, how I'm doing. Thank you for that. Like, like, thank you. Um, and I'm tearing up now because it was in that moment that I realized it's the simplest things. Mm -hmm. Sometimes people think, you know, um, you know, a word of encouragement is something, you know, that just sounds so elegant and just so full of all of these descriptive words and so on and so forth. But people don't realize how a person can be encouraged by a simple, hello. Well, uh-huh. how are you? Um, especially when you don't have to speak to a person, but I—that's something that I intentionally chose to do, and so being on that side of um, encouraging people and just impacting people's lives—that's just what I did. And it, it the bulk of it i don't—I won't say all of it, I won't even say the bulk of it. Um, a good portion of it um, manifested, you know, itself in the hospital that first eight and a half month admission
1: wow wow you know davida your dedication and commitment is inspiring many times we whine and complain about things that are so much smaller than the obstacles and challenges that you've had to overcome i can't imagine being in the hospital for eight days eight and a half months oh my goodness and and to be there with a smile and encouraging others truly you know, God was with you truly. That's something that is above what man can only do. That is super natural.
0: Absolutely.
1: I, I truly believe that now, you know, as you communicate with others, um, you talk about, um, your books and everything about communication and how important it is. And you told us about just speaking to the guy and how it changed, you know, his day and opened up his eyes. Um, What words of encouragement would you have for those in the audience that um, is dealing with, whether it's someone that they're caring for, someone in their family, or whatever life have thrown their way? What words of encouragement do you have for them?
0: Okay, um, with that, I have to share that, um, (laughs) I want to say maybe 2011, I decided to go back to school. Uh And I had to write, um, a paper and, um, in a nutshell, um, it took me back to several years prior where I had encountered, um, encountered a person and, um, they talked about, I was, I was in a Walmart several years ago and they talked about how, um, I, I took care of my my daughter, and I could tell you take really great care of her and um so on and so forth, and I don't know where it came from, but it came to mind, and I said to the woman this um, I have chosen to embrace my daughter's disability rather than tolerate it. uh-huh. And she looked at me kind of strange. I said, you know, um, a lot of times we go through life. A lot of times you see parents with special needs children specifically, and you can sit back and observe and you can tell whether or not there is that element of embracing what they have been given or are they tolerating it? And those Uh are vastly different. Um, And so speaking to the audience, I would say this, as as difficult as things can be in life, um, as challenging as adversity is for many of us, when you learn to embrace what you're going through, allow yourself to feel what it is that you're feeling. But choosing not to stay in that place, that is when you will achieve a level of overcoming that thing, a level of conquering that situation. Um, Sometimes when we look at um, a situation, a challenge, all we see before us is that problem, is that issue. And it's massive to us. Uh But if you lean to your right or lean to your left just a little bit, you will see that there is light at the end of the tunnel. And that's what you have to focus on. Chip away at that thing little by little. Understand that you may not be able to um, conquer or overcome every issue, every problem in one fell swoop. But if you intentionally take little by little, little by little, bit by bit, and chip away at it, that big issue will begin to be a small issue. That small Mm. issue will eventually dissipate and you will have overcome.
1: Wow. That is powerful, Davida. I just love it. You know, the way that you put it together and describe how we can overcome challenges, how adversity is not the end, and how we can chip away at the big problem, the big issue, the big concern until it dissipates, which is obviously what you're doing. You're not just talking about it. You're not just coaching others. You've walked the walk. And now you're helping others as well thank you for your words of encouragement. So um, talked a little bit about, you know, communication and why it's important and such. And I understand that you have written a book, you are an author, please tell us the title of the book and just a little snippet about it.
0: Well, thank you for asking about that. Um, My book is called Dear Future Husband. It is Actually, in a journal, it is a thirty-day journey and keepsake. Um, with this, with this body of work, um, it serves as a component of the foundational brick of communication in future and existing marriages. Um, I, I often reference it as a um, as as intimate communication being the core function of my journal. And what it does is for single and married women, um, they are guided into a space of reflection and, um, it gives thought provoking content. Um, and it gives the woman 30 days, 30 opportunities to be intentional, about reflecting on who they are as a woman today and as the wife they would like to be in the future if they are not married or as the wife that they would like to be in their existing marriage. Um, I could not have thought of this concept, um, the content, on my own, Um this is literally a God-given uh, gift and journey. Um, with taking, you know, completing this journey, I call it a journey because it, to me, I don't want to say every single thing, but most things I reference to as as a journey.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, it's just a leg of of, of a journey, um, of a race, so to speak. Um, when you take this journey and you go through those 30 opportunities of expressing the contents of your heart, your hopes, your dreams, your desires of what you would like to see in your future husband, or what you like to see in the future of your existing marriage, things you may have saw in your husband years ago, but, you know, life has, has set in and and he may have kind of suppressed those things or, Or laid those things down. Those are the things that kinds of things that you speak to in this journal. And here's the catch here's the catch star. Uh oh. When you take this 30 day journey and you complete this journey, um, the journal is designed for you to write letters. Um, And the header of each uh, page where you write is Dear future husband. And so you're 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 in a sense manifesting um, huh. those things that you desire, those things that you want to address in your marriage or your future marriage. And so literally you're speaking to him in some way, shape, form, or fashion um, by way of pen and paper. But when you finish this journal, when you finish your leg of the journey, you wrap this precious gift up. You wrap it up and you gift it to your future husband or your existing husband. Um, I always recommend that when you're gifting it to your future husband, you could do it upon him asking for your hand in marriage. You could present it as a wedding day gift or for those who are already married, you could do it, you know, um, say you have an intimate evening for two. Um, It could be a candlelight dinner. It could just be let's chill and and watch TV, watch a movie. And here you come with your little wrapped up gift and you present it to him. Mm. Present it to him without condition, allowing him to take his time to read the contents of your heart at his leisure not you pressing like i wrote this on this day or i wrote this on that day and did you read page such and such no give him his space and he may not even open that book up when you when you initially present it to him but i promise you i promise you that he will i promise you he will be floored by the intimate thoughts that you share he will be floored by the things that you think of him that you haven't um, mentioned in years, or you didn't know that this man was going to be your husband, but because you sat with yourself, because you sat with God, because you allowed the content to speak to the woman that you are, when you decide to write in this journal, you would have manifested that husband that is before your eyes. And so that's basically what my, my book is about.
1: Wow. Let me tell you, that is beautiful. That is so beautiful. A journal and a keepsake. I love the idea. Love it. Now, where can we get your journal and keepsake?
0: You can find your future husband on my website at Davida Michelle. That is D as in David, A, V-I, D-I-A. Michelle with1L.com. You also can find it on Amazon. Um, it is available on Amazon um, as well. Um, if you order it from my site, there is an option to um purchase a signed copy. And in the signed copy, I um write you a special note, write you a special blessing. Um, it could be a blessing, it could be a prayer, whatever God leads me to write in that moment when I um, get your order and get ready to prepare it. Um, There's definitely a special note to you for it. Also, I just wanna highlight, when I do um, uh, send out signed copies, because of the way the the journal is designed, in the front of the book there is a page where um, it identifies let me. Let me. I'm flipping through. Not that one. Um, you identify um, your engagement date. You you identify who you're giving it to. Okay. So you have your your husband. You have your engagement date and your wedding date that you highlight in the front of the journal. And because I do not want to compromise the integrity of the gift when it's presented. I sign all of the journals in the back of the book. Hmm. Mm-hmm. So I, I did want to highlight that. All right.
1: Well, thank you so much for sharing that. And if there's someone that would like to connect with you, are you on social media at all? And if so, what handles?
0: Absolutely. My handle is the same across the board on all of my social media. You can find me on um YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Um, Clubhousers. If you're out there, I am also on Clubhouse. Davida Michelle, that's where you can find me at across the board.
1: Amazing. Love that you kept it uniform, making it easy to find. Certainly, um, I recommend connecting with Davida Michelle as she is a phenomenal woman inside and out, full of beauty. Thank you so much for joining Purifying Truths, Davida.
0: Thank you for having me. It's been my pleasure.
1: Oh, my goodness. We've learned so much. Truly, the pleasure is ours. Thank you. And thank you for tuning in to Purifying Truths with A Star. Tune in every Saturday at 9 and noon for exciting new guests who illuminate the world in the various facets of life. You too can connect with a star. Facebook and Instagram at Facets of a Star. Please visit the website www.facetsofastar.com. Shine bright.